Could we be voting in November on a new downtown ballpark? And will it go here or here? The Kansas Supreme Court makes its decision. Is it the final nail in the coffin for Sharice Davids? No more touchscreen voting machines. No more ballot drop boxes. Why, your next trip to the ballot box may be a whole lot different. Plus, the Jackson County prosecutor grabbing the headlines. If there's a change in abortion law, she's refusing to prosecute cases. Those stories and the rest of the week's big local headlines, next. Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of AARP Kansas City, RSM, Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlise Gorley, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Welcome, I'm Nick Haynes, and thank you for joining us on our weekly journey through the week's most impactful, confusing, and befuddling local news stories, rolling up their sleeves to connect the dots on the news of our week, our own senior reporter, Mary Sanchez, and from the Call newspaper, Eric Wesson, who's just coming back from a family vocation in Orlando. Thank you, by the way, for removing the Mickey Mouse ears for the show. You're welcome. From KCMO Talk Radio, Pete Mundo is with us this week, and from the pages of your Kansas City star, Dave Helling. You know, we've all known this is going to be a consequential midterm election year. But could we be voting on a new downtown ballpark this fall, too? This week, the Kansas City Star reports that a November vote on a new home for the Royals is still in the cards. And in a comprehensive expose, our city's biggest newspaper reveals it's now a battle between two sites, a plot of land just west of the 18th and Vine Jazz District and a downtown location just east of City Hall. In fairness, the Star reports that the vote could come in November or next spring. But when the leases on the stadiums don't come up until the end of 2031, Dave Helling, what is the rush? It's being driven by the Kansas City Royals uh, for reasons that the, the team understands but have not been made public, Nick. Uh, they want to go quickly, try to get into a new stadium by 2026. But if you talk to county officials or city officials, they are extraordinarily skeptical, Nick, about a November vote. It, it, it would be almost impossible to envision that the teams, and remember this would involve the Chiefs and the Royals, could renegotiate contract agreements for another 30 years by the end of August, which is the deadline for putting something on the November ballot. It's just hard to see that getting done. And without that, they just won't put it on the ballot. So the earliest I think people could vote would be 2023. You could still design in 2023 if you vote early enough, uh, build in 24 and 25 and open in 26, which seems to be the Royals' goal, if not the Chiefs'. Doesn't it seem rotten timing, though, Pete, for thinking about a tax increase for a downtown stadium? At the very same time, of course, we have gas prices now cracking more than $4. We have parents in our metro who can't even find baby formula. Yeah, you know, Nick, the other part of this, too, uh, is I think it benefits the Royals to push off this vote until next year when you get a lower voter turnout. There's not much that people on different sides of the political aisle agree on. I think this issue of, of big tax breaks for baseball stadiums is kind of something that's taken over the populist left and right in this country where they don't necessarily support it. So from the pure political angle, knowing you're going to have a big turnout during a big midterm election year, the Royals would be better off pushing this thing to a low voter turnout cycle in 2023 and then trying to get their voters out in favor of it then. 
I, I had the opportunity to go see some of the sites that were uh, on the table, and it's just going to be interesting to see where they'll, where they'll finally decide to put the new stadium. Emmanuel Cleaver, Eric, has said, you know, it really has to be right there next to the 18th and Vine Jazz Museum. He's being very pushing all of that in the 18th and Vine Jazz District. But how important is his vote to all of this? Well, it's very important because he's uh, Emmanuel Cleaver, and it would be a good connection with the uh, academy that they have over there, but this area is pretty landlocked and you have to relocate some people unless you went in Parade Park and it's kind of a toss up on what they're going to do with that. So. Uh, Mary, you know, that site that they're looking at there west of the 18th and Vine Jazz District is currently the site of a, a major KCATA operations center. You've got the manual career tech center there. What happens to those? Well, they'd have to shift and that's part of um, the negotiations that need to occur. And that, that is actually how Cleaver gets back into this conversation because there's long been the plan to extend the bus system across the state line from Kansas City, Kansas, make it a connection into KCMO. This could actually potentially help that. Uh, Dave Helling, the mayor, was on this program just a few weeks ago and said, you know, he was he would support a downtown ballpark, but he wanted to see a shared responsibility for that, that we could have other metropolitan-wide uh, areas and counties getting engaged in funding that. But what evidence is there that he's been reaching out to, say, uh, the head of Johnson County government, the mayor of Overland Park, why not county officials, to get their buy-in to have a bi-state vote to make that happen? Well, well, there is no evidence of that, Nick. In fact, the contrary is uh, clear. If you went to the voters this year or next, then you would by necessity exclude a bi-state tax because bi-state taxes can only be considered in presidential elections. That would put it in 2024. So Johnson County would be off the hook, Wyandotte County, other communities. And I am told that the Royals anyway have concluded that this needs to be a Jackson County effort only, just like it was in 2006. And if that happens, Nick, you are going to find opposition to a downtown stadium from the people in Lee Summit and Independence and Grandview who have a short commute to the stadiums now, but would have to come all the way downtown if the Royals move, not to mention what happens with the Chiefs. This is an extraordinarily complicated matter. They're not going to solve it in the next 60 days. The Royals have to be winning. We got to be winning. <laughs> People will buy into it if they're winning. Well, the, the only other thing, too, is uh, I would want some of this conversation to be about what happens to the stadium sites now. No one wants to see a blank space out there without any sort of redevelopment for the communities that are now near the stadium. Is there any proposal for what would happen to where the Kauffman Stadium is now? I haven't heard any, Dave. Well, well, I think the idea, Nick, at least one of the ideas under discussion is that the Royals would leave, move downtown, yeah. and the Chiefs then would have the entire Truman Sports Complex to either build new on the existing footprint of Kaufman or to tear down Kaufman, use it for other amenities or other events that the Chiefs could use and stay at Arrowhead. So uh, those ideas are on the table. Now, Mary's exactly right. What exactly happens to the complex is yet another piece of this very complicated puzzle 
that, again, will be very difficult to figure out in the next 90 days. After months of outrage, protests and lawsuits, the Kansas Supreme Court weighs in this week on a new Kansas congressional map. Did it unfairly target the sole Democrat in the Kansas congressional delegation? Did it unlawfully dilute the minority vote by slicing in half Wyandotte County? Apparently not. The justices ruling the map passed by lawmakers is constitutional. So what does this mean? Was this the final nail in the coffin for Sharice Davids, Pete Mundo? I think it was. I mean, it was going to be very difficult for her to win re-election if, you know, the old map, which could never have stayed in place, had stayed in place, right? All Wyandotte, all of Johnson and part of Miami. But now you get her into a district that, by the way, she would have won based on the numbers in 2020. That was noted when this map first came out. But you look at uh, how these swing districts are trending all over the country. She's in one right now. We all know that. Uh, it is going to be incredibly difficult for her to win re-election, especially without any real answers on inflation. I thought, you know, Dave asked her on, on his show, Four Star, a pretty simple question a couple of weeks ago. If this inflation does not ease up, don't you see this being a problem for you? And I was stunned. There was no answer there. It's, it's like it hadn't even crossed her mind. Um, and, and the voters are feeling it. We're over $4 a gallon across the metro on average. And, and that, more than anything else, regardless of what the district was going to look like, was going to make her uh, and give her a very, very significant uphill climb. Could Republican overreach, though, um, Mary, on issues like abortion between now and Election Day? give her an opportunity to salvage this seat? Well, I mean, all, all the political experts are saying that it's a little bit more of a toss-up um, than what might be first implicated of just changing the boundaries. She's fairly well-liked, and no one has the answers to inflation. And frankly, a lot of the things people who claim that they do don't know what they're talking about half the time. What are the other implications of this Supreme Court ruling in Kansas this week on the congressional map, Dave? Well, I think the more interesting thing than the third district to me, Nick, has always been putting Lawrence in the first district. That's pretty amazing. The first district in Kansas, the big first, stretches all the way to the Colorado border from Nebraska to Oklahoma on the western part of the state. And now Lawrence, which is arguably the most liberal city in the entire state of Kansas, is now part of that district. And that's got to be very frustrating uh, for the residents of that community and was behind, by the way, the, the lawsuit challenging the districts. Let me just weigh in quickly on Sharice Davids. I think she does have an extraordinarily difficult re-election campaign, Nick, in part because she is just not very good in forums like uh, the one we had on four-star politics. She just doesn't uh, have that sort of pattern that most politicians have. On the other hand, a lot of people like that. And she did win by 10 points against Amanda Adkins, her likely opponent, in 2020. But she won then when President Trump was still in the White House, though. She Correct. doesn't have Correct. that this time around. Correct. 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 All of that is very true. So apples to apples is very difficult. But but she is not a goner. I mean, people think, oh, well, she this new map, she has no chance. That's not true. But it's going to be much, much more difficult than it was. But I was really kind of surprised by the uh, Kansas Supreme Court ruling. And I think what they did, and, and one of the things that people will talk about is being done is how it diluted the vote. They took Wyandotte County and cut it up versus cutting up Johnson County. We're hearing a lot of people saying oh, this was a, a major political decision on the part of the Supreme Court, not about the law, Mary, but aren't a majority of the justices on the Kansas Supreme Court Democratic uh, governor appointees? I mean, frankly, I think, though, we need independent redistricting commissions. 
Um, right. That would solve right. this because anyone who says, well, the other side does it too, Democrats do, do it too. That's just making the point of we are so hyper-partisan now that these things are not being decided along what is good, what is voting rights for everyone, what is fairness. Well, meanwhile, in Missouri, a newly approved congressional map is signed into law this week by Governor Mike Parson. It was one of the last acts of Missouri lawmakers before wrapping up their business for the year. It wasn't pretty. Um, the job is over. We got it done. We unnecessarily uh, are going to be sending another, another Democrat member to Congress. He's talking about Kansas City Congressman Emanuel Cleaver. Members of the Conservative Caucus in the Senate had spent months trying to carve up Cleaver's district to create one more Republican congressional seat in Missouri. Kansas lawmakers didn't think twice about doing that. Why ultimately, Pete, were Missouri Republicans reluctant to do so? Well, there was a lot of concern that if you go 7-1, it could, in a bad cycle, as things oftentimes tend to do, uh, not go in favor of the Republican Party in some of these districts. And it it would have been far more of a of a carve up than, say, what happened in Kansas, where, as I noted earlier, he still gave Sharice Davids a district that she would have theoretically won in 2020. And, uh, you know, no one's happy. No one's completely satisfied. But I think they realized they had to get this thing done because it dragged on way too long. There was far too much infighting amongst Republicans. And they left a lot of uh, stuff on the table because of that as a result. And uh, Emmanuel Cleaver, Eric Wesson, keeps most of his district, but he does lose a big part of um, Jackson County. And so we, ha and we actually have some voters now in Kansas City, based on this map, who are now going to be in a district that stretches to the Illinois border, very much the same kind of situation as uh, Dave Helling was talking about in Lawrence here. Uh, what are the implications of that change? That's a good thing for him because now he doesn't have to spread his campaign out as far. And in the fourth district, which is Vicki Hartzler's seat, we had some candidates even drop out of that race because they're no longer even in the district they were running for, Dave. That's right. Sarah Walsh, uh, who had connections to Hartzler, decided this week that she would abandon her campaign to replace Vicki Hartzler in the, in the Congress in the U.S. House. Uh, let's pause here just briefly, Nick, to note the weirdness, though, of what you just talked about, the fifth district which splits Jackson County in two. It puts the eastern half of Jackson County in Sam Graves District, which stretches, as you note, to the border, but puts part of the Northland, which used to be with Graves, right. into the Cleaver District. It just shows you how arbitrary these decisions can be and are when they redistrict, how political the process is. And I think that's kind of what is behind what the Kansas Supreme Court said, which is, this is inherently political. It always gets crazy at the end. It did in Missouri and Kansas. And the U.S. Supreme Court, for better or for worse, has said repeatedly, keep your hands off this. This is a political decision. Now, the final act of Missouri lawmakers before they actually headed for home was to demand that Kansas City increase the amount of money it spends on its police. It was a last-minute move that even caught Mayor Quinton Lucas off guard. We'll turn it over to Mayor Lucas. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, and it's an honor to be with you all today. Lucas was at the White House when Missouri lawmakers passed a measure requiring that the city dedicate 25% of its funding to the KCPD, up from the 20% required now. With everything else going on in Jefferson City this year then, Pete, why was that so important to lawmakers to make sure that happened just at that last moment in the legislature? Well, I do believe that uh, politics played a role in this. Of course, Tony Luke Demeyer, one of our uh, local state senators, uh, spearheaded this. 
Um, and he got this thing, helped get this thing across the finish line uh, on the last day, which was a surprise to many of us. Um, I thought the thing was dead as of middle of the week, and then it kind of makes this comeback. And also, you know, there was a lot of lobbying going on behind the scenes from the right people to the right folks, and they got this thing done. And, um, you know, you just think about the last year, though, for Mayor Lucas, since that $42 million uh, diversion of funds, uh, he lost in court, and, and you know, you think about the issues with uh, residency, and now this. I, th this. That decision appears to have backfired on him in a major way. A couple of things to note uh, quickly, Nick. Uh, the 25% threshold has already been met by the city of Kansas City. They spend more than 25% of the budget, however you figure this, uh, on the police. In fact, there could be an actual reduction in police funding going forward because I think if they're at 28 or 29% now and cut back to the statutory minimum, it's actually a reduction. We'll see if that happens uh, going forward. It does need statewide approval because the bill as it passed violates the Hancock Amendment which uh, requires uh, uh, the state to pay for any initiatives that they impose on cities or counties. So it does have to go to a statewide vote. Uh, and, and it was highly political, highly political. It was meant to embarrass and humiliate Kansas City and it accomplished that goal. With another wave of abortion protests in Kansas City this week, Jackson County prosecutor Jean Peters Baker is making news. She says if the Supreme Court overturns Roe versus Wade, she will not prosecute any abortion cases, either brought against doctors or women. When Missouri lawmakers passed a bill saying no local police departments could enforce federal gun laws or work with federal agents on firearm cases, they were roundly condemned. So what makes Baker's position any different, Mary? Well, it really doesn't. I mean, there's prosecutorial discretion that is used all the time when they decide which cases to focus on here in Kansas City. You know, the Jackson County prosecutor has said repeatedly that what she wants to focus in on is violent crime. Can a local prosecutor then just decide what they want to enforce and what they don't want to, Eric? Yes, uh, they have broad range of discretion on what they want to do and how they want to do it. So, yeah, she can decide on whether or not she wants to prosecute the case or not. Absolutely. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out across the state, though, with different prosecutors, if we end up getting a system where some people are trying to go after doctors once if Roe v. Wade is turned over, and if someone, if you have one county um, prosecutor that's trying to go after either doctors or someone who, say, drove a woman to a clinic or, you know, it'll be fascinating to see how that plays out. There are indications, Nick, and I've been read to believe, uh, led to believe, uh, that Missouri statutes would allow the attorney general to prosecute abortion cases in Jackson County uh, if Gene Peters Baker or any prosecutor declines to prosecute them. With there being no abortion clinics, though, in Jackson County, Mary, is this really just a symbolic move? The only abortion clinic that is in Missouri is in St. Louis. So right now there's some options in Kansas where people, I think, you know, do cross the state line. But so much of the bottom line conversation isn't had. What will be the real impact? Who is going to still be able to find care because they have the finances to do so and who can't? Do we even have a healthcare system that can manage more births? That's even come up in conversations. And a lot of people in the healthcare industry say, no, we actually don't. 
In other news this week, Kansas lawmakers head back to Topeka on Monday to wrap up their session. Missouri lawmakers, as we've mentioned, are now completely done. Getting less attention in Missouri is a big change to elections. We gutted elections in Missouri yesterday. Most certainly did exactly that. They're trying to show that they're doing something about election fraud. But the fact is, what they're really doing is trying to make it harder for folks to vote. In the last moments of the legislature, lawmakers passed a bill abolishing touchscreen voting machines. It's back to old school paper ballots, also gone a ballot drop boxes. And you will have to show a photo ID to cast your vote starting in 2024. Is that one of the biggest changes we'll notice, Eric Weston, as a result of this session in Missouri? No. One of the biggest ones I found was now that the Secretary of State can purge the voting rolls at his or her own discretion which reminds us of Georgia when the Secretary of State uh, purged 500,000 voters off the rolls uh, in one day. So that was the thing that I thought was the most startling, is giving Secretary of State that much power. Was the election changes the biggest change in Missouri this session, Dave, or was there something else? Well, it was one of the biggest decisions the legislature made, other than the budget, of course, and they did some things Nick, like uh, add to teacher salaries, uh, they fully funded Medicaid expansion, uh, which there was some question about. They did not uh, repeal initiative rights. They didn't pass a parent's bill of rights. They didn't do transgender athletes. They didn't do gambling. Uh, they didn't do critical race theory. So there were a lot of things they didn't do. This was one of the bigger things that they were able to accomplish. As I think we all know, Missouri and Kansas are just hotbeds of election fraud. And there was an absolute need for both states to do this. I'm being sarcastic, of course, uh, because there is no evidence of fraud in either states. This is purely political on the uh, on the behalf of both legislatures. Uh, and the Missouri bill will almost certainly be challenged in court. What was the biggest change in Missouri for you, uh, Mary Sanchez? We can't all concentrate, of course, on everything that's happening at our state houses on both sides of state line. But uh, what was what was the biggest change? Well, for me, honestly, it's what they didn't do. It's um, for all that conversation, all that throwing their hands up in the air on critical race theory, on transgender you know, children on, you know, trying to save women's sports. And I'm sorry, I was a high school athlete. They don't need saving. Um, I was pleasantly surprised that they finally let that go. That is, that is interesting. You know, critical race theory, transgender sports. On the Kansas side, nothing happened on that either, Pete. You know, yes, they passed sports betting. Yes, they eliminated the food sales tax over time. Uh, but why, if that was such a huge issue for these Republican-led legislatures in both states, why wasn't there any action, for instance, on the transgender sports? You know, it's interesting. In Kansas, there were some key... Uh, House members and senators out in the western part of the state, believe it or not, that were not really on board with it. Um, just kind of strange, you would think, based on the political makeup. So they just didn't have the votes to, to get it done. You know, some more moderates as well, maybe not as, uh, as interested in going down that road and maybe having that vote on their record come re-election time. So, I mean, it's one of those things that uh, makes for good fodder. I think to many, it is important as well to protect women's sports uh, against biological men. But in Missouri, they were too busy infighting and it just didn't get done there. When you put a program like this together every week, you can't get to every big story making the headlines. What was the big local story we missed? 
An alarming new crime wave grabs the headlines. In Johnson County, a man shot to death in a public park. Two 13-year-olds and four 14-year-olds charged with his murder. And two men shot to death in a high V parking lot in Lawrence. Memorial Day comes early as a replica of the Vietnam Memorial Wall in Washington arrives in Kansas City. You can visit it day or night on the south lawn of the National World War I Museum. Union Station postponing its latest big exhibit after red tape blocks more than 300 ancient artifacts from being shipped here from Guatemala. It's part of a new exhibit on the Mayan culture. It will now open in mid-July. Overland Park Police putting four officers on leave amid a probe into misused funds. An historic swearing-in, Robin Ransom officially taking her seat as the first black woman on the Missouri Supreme Court. Painful losses prompting a big shake-up, the Royals firing its hitting coach. And kick-off this week for that new study on an east-west streetcar line. It would take riders from KU Hospital through to the Truman Sports Complex. Mary, did you pick one of those stories or something completely different? The story of the shooting death of the 19-year-old in Olathe, in the park. The idea of having middle schoolers arrested and charged as adults, the idea of that a group of middle schoolers were involved in shooting and killing someone, that ought to just cause everyone's you know, heads to spin around. But it was supposedly over a bag of pot. Eric. Uh, interim chief, maybe, and what's the plan? Got a lot of violence going on under your watch already. What's the plan? What are we going to be doing about the homicides? Pete. Go to uh, Lee Summit West. A lot of controversy out there with a group trying to start a uh, conservative organization. Uh, some protests took place and some things went haywire. Uh, there's some school board meetings this week that'll be following that, keeping tabs on that. But uh, certainly a story that's picked up uh, steam here locally has gotten some national attention as well and is just worth following. Dave. The Missouri legislature in its final hours did approve extra state support for the World Cup bid in Kansas City, providing extra money for, uh, to, to bring international soccer here. I'm told that that bill almost failed because it got tangled up in residency for Kansas City police. And when that entangling happened, there was a threat to kill the World Cup money if police officers were not allowed to live in Kansas. It all got sorted out. And by the way, that World Cup bid final decision coming in June, apparently. And on that, we will say our week has been reviewed. Thanks to Mary Sanchez from our digital newsroom, Flatland KC, from the Cole newspaper, Eric Wesson, from the Kansas City Star, Dave Helling, and 6 to 10 weekdays on KCMO Talk Radio, Pete Mundo. And I'm Nick Haynes. Next week, as we head into a holiday weekend, it's all hands on deck around here as we get ready to bring you the Bank of America celebration at the station. Yes, with cannons, fireworks, and the Kansas City Symphony will be taking a break over the holiday. But don't worry, we'll be back, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed and refreshed, ready to pick apart our Metro's most important happenings. Until then, from all of us here at Kansas City PBS, be well, keep calm and carry on.